Welcome back to The Outright Effect, a podcast in which unique perspectives challenge us to be better versions of ourselves. I'm Shelly. And I'm Tempsey. And today we are recording via Zoom because of the whole social distancing thing. I mean, we're still going through this. It's been about a month so far. Um, I think we're, you know, slowly getting adjusted and I've been hearing some other podcasts filming this way, but ultimately I think it's the best thing for us to do right now to stay safe and healthy. Um, Today we're actually doing an interview, so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring that up. Um, I know we had planned some interviews in the past. you know, this is the first one that we're actually doing, but I think initially we thought this was going to be in person. So just wanted to throw it out there in case anybody is wondering about the sound quality. So we apologize for that. We're doing the best that we can. Yes, we are so excited for our very first interview. If you've been following along and have been able to listen to all of our episodes, you'll also know that we are quite intrigued by the entrepreneurial mindset and uh, perspective. And so we are very excited for our guest today. Yes, Camille Hyung is the owner of Valley Honolulu, a women's clothing and gift boutique specializing in locally designed and handmade brands. Camille is originally born in Hong Kong and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii. She spent almost a decade working in retail, starting as a sales girl at a local mall boutique to working as an assistant manager for Gucci in Waikiki. In 2016, she opened Valia Honolulu and has been dedicating her time to starting and running a business from the ground up. Hi, Camille. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Shelly. Hi, Tammy. Hi. Hi. So tell us a little bit about your business. Um, How did you come up with the name and what is your brand all about? So Valia Honolulu, um, like you mentioned, is a women's clothing and gift boutique. Um, The name is actually my feminine form of the word valiant. So it has all that meaning of the word valiant, strong, confident, brave, but in a feminine way. Um, And that's kind of the way I want people to feel about the clothing when they try it on, when they leave, when they're wearing it out um, later on. And uh, we carry a lot of women's clothing, but also accessories and gifts. Um, We buy specifically local designers, things that are made in Hawaii, or handmade brands. So we do have some things that aren't made here, but we um, have a really close relationship with all the brands that we do carry. So we have about like over 20 plus brands now that are, um, that do fit into those categories. And um, they're mainly female owned businesses or like husband and wife duos. So we really like to support um, the female small businesses. And I think that it's important that we have that relationship with the business owners um, because we like to share their stories and being able to share their stories is Um, a lot easier when you know the people behind the brands and how they're making it, um, what they're about, and just their family and their lifestyle. That sounds great. Thanks so much for supporting female small businesses. I think that's super awesome. Thank you. Female podcasts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, that's amazing. Um, What inspired you to start a business? I really always wanted to start a business though when I was in middle school well prior to wanting to start a business I wanted to be like a kindergarten teacher and then I tried doing like that whole summer fun thing where you watch the kids for a couple hours and decided this is not what I wanted to do And, um, and uh and I was like you know I was really into 
um, looking at through a lot of magazines. I was actually really into the designer brands, even though I didn't own anything from designer brands. But it was like the history and the craftsmanship of it that really um, got me. And so from when I was in middle school, I was already like trying to drop my logo and like come up with a name for my future boutique. Um, and I thought that if I saved a dollar a day from that point until I graduated college, I would have enough to open a boutique when I finished college. But who really saves a dollar a day when you're in middle school and you have no money? So um, I ended up uh, doing it after I had gone to school uh, at UW, University of Washington for retail management. And then, you know, worked in various jobs in retail management and different levels. And then uh, finally opened up. And like, I had a lot of really great mentors. And my dad was also an entrepreneur. He was um, an attorney, so he had his own law firm. And I think that really uh, gave me like a really strong foundation and also really good like advice and mentor mentorships at a young, younger age. Um, but I've always been like that person that this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do. And it, lucky for me, it happened that way. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that's so funny. You know what? Um, I also watched kids for summer fun. <laughs> and that was like, that's when I knew I could not be a teacher because enrollment would drop, not because of, you know, school expenses. It would be because of the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> if that were me but um so I yeah one, I watched a kid for one summer and never did it again <laughs> same thing I was watching like 20 kids at a time it was ridiculous I don't, Anyways. Mind. I don't know what I have <laughs> having my own kid yeah I don't know it's such a deterrent right just spending <laughs> spending time like you really know you want to do it or you don't and I was like and it was the exact age I wanted to teach. I wanted to be a preschool teacher. And so I was watching the preschool kids and I was like, they push each other. They're swearing at each other. They're so mean to each other. I have to hold their hands and go to the bathroom five times in one hour. I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> but thank goodness for the people who do. For mm -hmm. real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it also helped lead you into a direction that you're passionate about as well. And I think we do have to go through that self-discovery a little bit with trying a bunch of different things to figure out what works best for us. So I would say that I'm happy that you ended up where you are instead yep. of watching preschoolers. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get started? What was the first steps that you took? So um, before I actually opened Valley of Honolulu, um, I was still working and I wanted to try like the online boutique thing with my sister. Uh, we thought we would make a really good duo because she had certain experience that I didn't as far as like marketing and graphics, um, copy, writing copy and things like that. Um, but we quickly learned that we were not compatible work-wise. <laughs> um, and that was also really hard to do with um with my full-time job and that was a really big learning experience but it was it was good because i think i got to be familiar with a lot of the software that i use now um and like kind of dip my feet into it and get comfortable um and like online is a totally different thing from regular retail which is what i'm used to 
which is, you know, all my experience is just that customer interaction face to face. So I think that in that aspect, it helped. Um, and once I decided, let's just not do that anymore. And I wanted to make a full on jump into an actual boutique. Um, I, I was turning 30 and I was like thinking to myself because I don't have kids and I'm not married um, at the moment. I thought, you know, if I do want any of those things in the near future, it's going to be really, really hard for me to start a business um, while I'm trying to raise a family or be pregnant or any of that um, and going through major life shifts like that. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do it now. So when I turned 30, basically a few weeks after I turned 30, I quit my job uh, and went full on, like finished one thing and opened the business in a couple months. Um, and then also at that point I had the financial means to do it. So, um, you know, I can't, you can't start with nothing, right? I mean, I've heard of people who have, but very slowly, you really have to have something to start, especially in boutique because you have to buy all your inventory. That's some great introspection at that, you know, time of your life to really think, you know, ahead about what your future might look like and, and say, you know what, there's no better time than the present to just get started. That's amazing. So what internal and external barriers may have held you back in the beginning? I think the biggest challenge is just having the confidence as a business owner. Um, when you start out, there's so many things you don't know. There's so many like ups and downs and like trial and error um, that it gets really difficult to handle, especially if you don't have a really good support system. So I think like just building that confidence in the beginning, it took about a year, year and a half. Also because when you were a business owner, a lot of people have advice for you and don't necessarily have the um, entrepreneurial mindset or the background to back it up. They just have an idea of what they think should happen and you get a lot of advice from a lot of different people and it pulls you in so many different directions. Um, but just like really learning how to stand my ground and know what I want in my business and sticking to it was tough in the beginning. Um, as far as other barriers, like the budget, I feel like that's a big barrier, like barrier for a lot of people. Um, budget and sometimes you don't know where to start right so finding the first location was challenging building it out um, trying to make it work because it wasn't an ideal location um, I would say all of those things were really big challenges but things that in the last three years we've been able to overcome really well although budget I think is always going to be a challenge for anybody so you just have to learn to work with what you have yeah so um, I was just I was just curious what was your process like um, you know going through thinking of some of these barriers that maybe you thought you might have had in opening a business for example like did you take some time and like whip out a notebook and start brainstorming stuff like what what kind of you know if you want to share a little bit of what that process looked like for you yeah I took some online classes to kind of help um, there are some resources online but I feel like it's different for everyone as far as like building a business. Um, when it came to the vision for like the layout of the shop or the build out, 
I was like super old school and I did uh, PowerPoints. So I had like whole lists of like, hey, these are what I want the colors of the walls to be like. You know, I do a lot of research. These are like inspo pics um, and kind of get everything in that way. But I think you just like ultimately have to trust your own gut and your feeling about what you, you know, you have to live with it. So um, you have to be comfortable with everything you put out and just make sure you're doing it like at a hundred percent basically, because if you don't like one little thing and you keep walking past it every day, it's going to bother you <laughs> till you fix it. Um, but yeah, I think definitely a lot of like mood board kind of things, you know, as far as coming up with stuff. And I also think what helped a lot was as I started to grow as a business, I spent more time with other business owners. Um, and that's super helpful because that's kind of leading into developing your support system. Um, you have a lot of people that you can like call on and trust and talk. And when you realize that everyone goes through the same challenges, it's so much more of a relief. Um, and you feel like you're in the same boat as someone because a lot of times being a business owner is kind of a lonely journey. Um, so I truly believe in like having that network of support and networking with other business owners so that you can share experiences. Yeah, for sure. And I think something um, interesting that you mentioned that, you know, I was just thinking of too, as you're saying it is that um, Dempsey and I were actually just talking the other day about how um, sort of like networking or talking with people that you know, whether they be business owners or not, and just kind of like, like, basically what I'm saying is like, don't be shy to ask for help. Like really all someone can say is no, and no shouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. I mean, they could just be too busy or have too much stuff on their plate or whatever. Maybe, maybe they don't just have anything off the top of their heads that they can share with you. But in the event you do get that, yes. And you do get that person who's like, Oh yeah, like I want to help you. You know, I love talking about this stuff or whatever. I think, um, that's just one more thing that'll help you and possibly them too. So it's kind of like no harm in just asking. Um, but you know, something that I think that I'm working on as well, you know, kind of resonating with what you're talking about right now is I'm trying to find those people in the business arena to chat with and kind of like figure out like what I'm doing, what Tempsey and I are doing with this podcast, because I think, you know, just like what you're saying, having that, you know, community of people that you can talk to, who you can trust, bounce ideas off of, uh, off of, you know, and stuff like that. I think that's really important for anyone who's starting a business and continuing it, you know, help like in the growth process of a business. Um, Camille, can you tell us a little bit about uh, moving to your new location? Because I know we, you know, we, you were just mentioning how it was um, starting your first location, but what was it like during your move? Like, did, was it, did you feel like it was your chance to sort of like recreate yourself or now, hey, this is my second opportunity to design a space that I like, or, you know, what was going through your mind? Oh yeah, that totally. It was, um, it was almost like the first location I had this attachment because I felt like, oh, I want to kind of stay here forever. But, you know, it's good that when you're forced to make a change, because the reason why I moved was um, because the building that I was in was getting sold. So it was kind of like a forced thing. But at the same time, like changes to me, change is always good. I don't ever think change is bad. You always learn something from it or you get an opportunity to do something differently. And I feel like the second location is so much more what I had envisioned 
like the the walls, the ceiling, the floors, like everything that I had envisioned originally. And because I had more confidence in what I was doing, I wasn't taking advice from other people who were like, I don't quite understand what your vision is when you're explaining it to me. You know, I didn't feel like I had to validate anything. It was just like, you know what, if you're helping, just I'll tell you what to do when you see it after <laughs> you'll get it. Like I wasn't as, you know, concerned with pleasing other people. It was just, I know what I want. This is how it's going to look. It's going to look beautiful. Like, you know, you'll see it when it's finished. You, you don't have to understand what I'm doing right now, but you'll see it when it's done. And, and I think that it all came together really well. Um, and then I had more experience with DIY because of what I did in the first location, I just had that confidence to take on different projects because both locations were DIY. I didn't hire a contractor um, because of the budget. So, um, and with the second location, I was able to pull in a lot of vintage elements or reuse elements. So um, like a lot of the displays are like reused wood or, um, items that were purchased at Goodwill and repurposed or um, like refurbished. So they had my spin on everything, which um, really fell more in line with the brand. You know, I do really like the look of your store. I think it looks really great. I love how you have like a whole bunch of windows around on the outside too, but I don't think we told people where you're located. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, we're located at the corner of Pauahi and Bethel Street. So it's actually right across the, or next to the Hawaii Theater in downtown Honolulu. Um, it's a really cool area because Chinatown is sort of this mix of eclectic businesses. And one of those sectors of business is um, small boutiques that are basically individual independently owned and operated and you'll often find the owner in there um, working which I think is the coolest and then a bunch of like really cool restaurants same thing independently owned and operated um, and then you have like random Chinese stores and like historic Hawaii theater and historic buildings that have like all this character and architecture so I love the area yeah, I love the aesthetic of your store as well. And I really like what you said earlier about having the confidence to know, even if you can't really articulate a vision to other people to help them understand what it is, like having that confidence to just say, hey, I just, I get what I need, <laughs> follow along and, and help support or get out of my way. And I think that's hard for a lot of people, you know, to have that confidence and to really like move forward with what their vision is, even if people around them really don't understand it. Cause it can be discouraging, right? Like having to support people and people around you to just, to kind of understand that, or just at least go along with it is, is got to be important because it could impact your mindset if you have a bunch of people around you who are negative and just don't get it. Mm -hmm. I think that's really what happened the first time around and this is why I talk about support system a lot because um, on a more personal note when I first opened the location the first location in the very beginning I was actually dating somebody who's um, super opinionated and just wasn't 100% supportive of what I was doing or understanding um, versus the second time around I was dating someone different some someone I'm still dating but just so much more supportive and you know 
if you don't have that support system, it's really tough to build your confidence um, in what you're doing with your business or any other aspect. So the first time, I, when I built out the first location, um, my, my ex would be like, no, I think it should look like this or, or no, I don't think this finishes that nice. And it's from a male's perspective and I'm creating a women's boutique. So at some point I just had to, you know, the second time around, it was like, I appreciate you helping. You might not get how it's going to look at the end, but you're helping me out and you'll get it after. Like, you'll see it after. It's fine. Like, I don't really need to take in all your input. <laughs> That's interesting. I like that. So how do you keep up with business trends or ever-changing business, uh, the ever-changing business environment? I think that, you know, more than ever, that is something we think about um, because of the business environment currently. Um, but, you know, I think it's really about like listening to the customer. I talk to a lot of people and they say they're going to completely pivot their business and, they want to go after a new customer and, and I'm like asking them, is this something your customer wants or is this something you want? Like, is your customer going to be able to follow along with your changes? So I think listening to the customer is super important. Um, looking at best practices, which is helpful when you have a network of um, other like-minded business individuals who can share um, their best practices. I think it's always to research, good to research in that way um, because especially in Hawaii, our, our market's kind of specific. Um, and I'm sure it is in a lot of places where your demographic or your market is very specific to your location. Uh, keeping an open mind, I think that goes for so many <laughs> different things because um, if you are set on a specific strategy and you think that your formula will work for you forever, it will not. Like, because business changes so much over time. And like you said, it's ever changing. It's, it's a constant thing. Like even when it comes to marketing, um, like social media is something that a lot of older businesses aren't comfortable with, but they just kind of have to adapt to and kind of learn how to do or, or hire someone to help with. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like I mentioned, just kind of making sure that it, it caters to the customer and not you, like you're, you're asking for feedback from the customer, you're listening to the feedback and then you're making those changes. Of course, it's your business. You want to do some things that make you happy and you should, but you should do it within the, the, I guess, realm of your customer's expectations and wants and needs um, because I guess for any business you are not your target audience right you have a target audience and you have to cater to that right yeah I think those are some really great points um, so something that we did want um, to ask is about you know what's going really well in your business right now and I know okay so for the listeners right today is April 18th and um, we have a like a new, I don't know, way of living. I, I hate, I don't like to say it that way because it's not really like a new way of living completely. I mean, we're just home more. 
that. That could be new for some people, I guess. But, you know, there there's a, a lot of drastic changes happening out in the market right now. So um, while, you know, I'm, I know we're all hopeful that this will go back to as normal as possible later, um, you know, I wanted to ask, what was it like, what was going really well prior to all this going on? Um, and what what's going really well right now for you? Uh, I think what was going on really well was um, we had kind of got into this groove after three years of business. Um, and I started trying to have a strategy where we were developing more consistency. Um, so like really systemizing things, um, templates for things, just being more consistent in the way we ordered for customers as well. So that was going really well. I think it took me a while to realize that I didn't have to do something different every time. Like it's better for branding and for my customer to just understand the expectation and meet the expectation. It doesn't have to be so hard. Um, and then when everything happened in mid-March and we were given that like stay-at-home order, uh, we totally had to pivot because we were a relationship-based um, in-person kind of business. And I mean, to be fair, it wasn't as big of a pivot as maybe some other brands because we, I had already been working really hard on our online business and trying to build that up since the beginning of, I mean, for a while, but especially since the beginning of this year. Um, so a lot of things were already set, but, uh, we started to, we did have to kind of change a little bit and we started selling face masks. So, um, we did it very true to our brand because we, um, like to partner with a lot of small female business owners and the business we decided to partner in for our partner with for our face masks, um, is Mukileen Bridal and she is a wedding dress designer and maker. She does both. She designs, makes everything. Um, super talented and someone we were like really comfortable. We're friends with, we have that relationship with. Um, and so we partnered with her to launch face masks for the store. Um, and that's another, you know, industry that was hit really hard is the wedding industry, right? Nobody's ordering wedding dresses right now. So it was a big pivot for both of us. But I think I learned so much in that pivot about being able to change to the environment and just be flexible and do, but still do things in the way that's true to you. So I think it's really great and really important for businesses to realize, you know, bouncing back is super important all kinds of things are going to come your way or, you know, anyone's way at any given time. Um, and we don't, I mean, we can't always expect what's going to be happening, right? Like life is just generally unpredictable, but I think it's really important and it speaks, like it says a lot um, for businesses who can make that shift and that change just depending on what's going on in the world. So props to you guys to, you know, making, making something new and also keeping it your own and staying within your brand. Cause I think that's really important too. So are there any challenges that you're currently facing? I, I think we, you know, generally understand what's going on in the world right now. And a lot of us maybe not have the same challenges, but quite similar. Um, what are some challenges that you're facing um, currently? Um, I think, you know, right now it is, we are going through a lot of the similar challenges as far as like, again, budget, you know, managing stock levels, because I'm, I'm not certain what's going to happen. So I'm just kind of like, holding off on 
um, what I should be ordering or bringing in and just, just really scrutinizing every purchase. Um, and then adjusting in general to work from home because I moved my boutique into the spare bedroom in the house and I did not have any structure for what my day was going to look like in this space. Um, and I've been working seven days a week, full days, and I don't know how to not do that when my office is in my house because it's so much easier to just be on all the time. Um, and then another thing is just like, how do you grow? How do you market to new customers now? It's, it's, you know, marketing with, but also being sensitive, but also remembering people are out there that want to support you. So it's like this very delicate balance of, um, being sensitive, but also still making sure you're building your business, that you're growing, um, and, and deciding where your money's going to go. But I think the, the nice thing is that I do have time now to sit down and evaluate things. Um, if I just make the time out of, you know, between sewing masks, packing orders, all kinds of other stuff. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to take this time to also work on like branding for, um, for the business. So that's a lot stronger and, and improve certain areas of our business's foundation so that when we do get to reopen, it'll be even better than it was. So I think it's really great that you're taking the time now to work on your business, you know, while you can't physically be within the store and working on your brand. Um, I think that'll do so much more for you when, once you're back, you know, and ready to run and see all your customers again. Um, what are some things that helps to keep you motivated? Because it sounds like you're really motivated right now, but maybe if you can share some tips with us so we can all stay motivated as well. Um, I think what keeps me motivated is that I still get to like keep some kind of contact with my customers, like either through email or social media, um, uh, through our email blast, whatever it is, but customers will message and say, you know, Oh, I just got that face mask that you sent. I love it. Or, you know, I never realized your packaging for online orders, like so much, you know, you put so much time into it and effort into it. Cause we actually send a handwritten note with every, online order which does add to the amount of time it takes but this is our way of connecting um and sending something more personal and you know this is what we were doing before and we don't want to sacrifice any of that um customer experience just because our volume has gotten busier online um and you know even or what else you know another thing that keeps me motivated is like when you do something and it works so like you can see the fruits of your labor i mean that's just in general with business um and then jokingly i always say like what keeps me motivated is like the idea of going back to my old job <laughs> like makes me motivated to keep doing what i'm doing you know it sounds really silly but a lot of people have like little reminders um i have like a stack of parking permits like you know those little things you hang on your um mirror your rear view mirror and like a stack of parking permits that's about two inches high and it's in the glove compartment of my car and i haven't taken it out from when i used to work because i want it to remind me of every month that i had to hang that thing <laughs> on my rear view mirror to go to work and i was dying so um 
I, everyone has little reminders of like, you know, be grateful for what you have, be grateful for what you're going through um, and just stay motivated instead of, you know, always thinking the grass is greener. Like it's good to have a reminder that the grass is not greener sometimes. That's so funny. Um, I always throw those things away. So I'm pretty amazed that you've kept so many of them. <laughs> I have none. <laughs> and I've, I've parked in places for a long time. Um, but you know what, what I think um, you mentioned that I think is really important um, and something you're not willing to give up right now, even though your online orders have gone up because right now, you know, most of us who are shopping are shopping online is writing those notes to customers because I think, you know, right now when business is tough, that customer service aspect is what, you know, stays in someone's mind and has them continue to shop with you um, versus, you know, another business that may be less personal, right? Like you have less of that interaction. Um, so I think that's really cool that you're doing that. And I think you should continue as well. I like getting little notes when I buy stuff online from small businesses. Um, I, I, yeah, from like a customer feedback, I think that's a good thing to do. Um, so are there any business metrics that you track and how, you know, how do, how do you look at those things and how does it impact your operations and, you know, your strategy and stuff like that? I think that's something that I'm trying to learn more about. So if you can share some of your um, experience, that would definitely help me a lot. And I'm sure a lot of other people out there who are listening to. So this, you know, these are always the fun things, right? Because you just stare at numbers and then make decisions and, and I say fun jokingly. I don't mean it's fun, but um, I used to work in retail management. So a lot of reports I used to look at, and then you have to um, look at the reports, grab the numbers, and then analyze them basically, or recap why they were a certain way. So it's sort of like ingrained in me to do this. Um, but I look at P&L reports, which is the profit and loss. Um, and also cash flow reports. Um, so those I think are really two important areas because it shows you what you're spending money on, you know, where your money is go going because there's a difference between a profitable, profitable business and not. And you want to be a profitable business, of course. And I know in the beginning, it's hard to see that profit um, because you spent so much or invested so much and you're still growing, which is understandable, but these are good ways to measure your growth. Um, and also see what you can spend more on or cut back on. Uh, and then like customer retention, that's more like how many times your customer comes back to you. Um, and I think that number is really important because, well, for me, I don't believe in building a business that's purely transactional and you're just going to see that customer once and then leave. And I know a lot of other businesses feel that way because when you look at the metrics for how much it costs to acquire a new customer versus retain a customer, the cost to acquire is always going to be higher than retention. Um, and that's why a lot of those small personal touches come into play because you want your customer to have that experience where they feel like they want to come back um, and shop with you. And that helps you make decisions in a lot of things it's it's your um the way you decide to communicate to your customer um your clienteling if you are a brand that does clienteling which means that you're you're consistently communicating with your customer and keeping them in touch and building that relationship um and over time essentially if your customer retention gets higher your sales grow as well um, 
And then website traffic, I look at a lot. It's really deceiving right now because so many people are online um, because they have the time and they have, that's all they can do, right? Uh, and then conversion. So basically out of how many people come into your door or come into your website, how many are leaving with a purchase? Um, so those really help drive like, those are good indicators of the customer experience or maybe if you have the right product or not sizing um to me a lot of those i relate to customer experience um and there's people you know we're we're a business that we develop the relationship and hopefully it leads into a sale um but the relationship comes first so we're not like this kind of store where you walk in it's like hey just tell me if you need something like we want to help you find something we want to help you find the right thing um something that makes you happy so that when you leave you are satisfied with your purchase so i don't know that those numbers kind of like go into all kinds of tangents but those are just a few things that i, I look at kind of frequently and I can attest to that. I mean, when I've gone into your store, you've been so welcoming. You always like come and talk to me or I come and talk to you and we have great conversations. Even when I first met you, you were so welcoming um, and so approachable. And there are stores, even, you know, some of the local stores that, you know, I, I go in and I, I, nobody even talks to me and that's okay. I get it. But at the same time, my experience and me feeling comfortable in that store and spending my hard earned money um, really like, increases when it's somebody who is approachable and really makes me feel welcome. So I think you guys do a great job of that. So um, in talking about some of these metrics, like where do you look for them? So like, let's say, for example, I would think like profit and loss, for example, maybe you're looking at like your books, like some kind of like accounting related stuff. Um, some of these other things I think maybe come out of your register system sort of thing, like repeat customers, that kind of thing. If you're tracking, tracking what customers are buying um, and maybe like web traffic, I, I would assume there's some kind of tool or something online, but conversion where you're, you know, seeing a customer come into your store, but like actually noting or remembering, like, are you remembering if they're, you know, like just a mental gauge, like a visual mental gauge, like, oh, you know, like I saw approximately 20 people come in here today, but only five people bought something. Is that like something you're just keeping mental note of? Yeah, actually, because I know it sounds really weird, but um, uh, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things when you work in retail a long time, right? So what you might not know is a lot of retail stores have foot traffic counters above the doors. And so they've installed software that count how many people go into the store. Um, and then it compares with the amount of purchases that were made that day and that come, you know, determines your conversion. And, you know, like there's all kinds of funny stuff. Like people, like, I remember one time you were like, you know, our conversion's so wrong. It's because it's counting the shadows, you know, from the sunlight in the afternoon, what, whatever. Like people will say all kinds of things. And if you hear, um, we do have friends who work in retail and they're like, don't come in, you're going to mess up my conversion. Like, that's what they're referring to is that their counter on the door is counting you and you're not buying anything. <laughs> so, um, but I think that I use it personally as a measurement because um, we don't have that crazy foot traffic where I need a door counter. I can, I can mentally kind of count. And sometimes I do manually like tally it up when I really want to know a precise number. Um, but 
But two numbers that a lot of people or retail do look at is the conversion and then the average spend. And so um, sometimes you could have, you know, a ton of people come in and then nobody buys anything, but maybe you just have a handful of people come in, but they all bought something, you know, it's, it's different metrics that you look at and then different ways you kind of judge, I guess, how your day went. And it's, it's one of those things that, like I said, it's like ingrained in my head. Um, so I kind of just do it automatically without thinking that I'm doing it. But I think that it's important to have metrics when you're running your business because you don't want to just do things and not know where you're going. You could be so much more effective when you have the metrics um, to back up your actions. Right. Yeah. And honestly, that was just a curious question of mine because I've worked in retail, but like less seriously, like as a part-time job. And I was like, how do you know this? Anyways, so that that never came up with my, uh, whoever was my manager at the time. And back then it was in college. So I was kind of not paying attention anyway. I mean, I definitely know we tried to do the thing where it's like, um, like you try to add on to the sale, that kind of thing where you're just not selling one thing, but they're hoping for like at least two items kind of thing. So anyways, just wanted to ask that question in case anyone else listening was wondering about that too. <laughs> so thanks for answering. Um, so is there anything exciting coming up for you? I know right now, um, maybe not so much, but what are your plans? It could be something, you know, far out, you know, in the future that you're envisioning. Um, if there's anything that you can share with us, what are, what might those things be? So, um, in the past, we've done a lot of events in the store, like in-store events or um, collaborations or even networking events for um, small business owners. But we have a couple things that were in the works that we're hoping will still um, come into uh, reality. But um, we had a collaboration we were working on with a handbag brand as well as a graphic design company. Uh, to launch we were trying to launch for Mother's Day but that is not going to happen but it will launch hopefully sometime this year um, and then for our anniversary last year we partnered with YWCA so we we plan to partner again with YWCA this year um, but we we also launched these t-shirts um, and a portion of the proceeds had been going to YWCA and we wanted to bring that back again because it was really so successful and I think that uh, the shirts the message was basically about um, strong women and female empowerment and I think that that message still resonates especially in a time like now uh, but you know we've encountered challenges because we don't have a regular printer and um, we were also working with Aloha United Way on an event as well. So hopefully those events do happen in the later half of the year once it's safe um, and that we can still take on those collaborations. But I know a lot of us are very focused on um, meeting the need for face masks right now. Even the handbag brand we were gonna collaborate with. So we've all got our hands full. <laughs> that's great that you're supporting the community that you are, you know, you have a thriving business in um, giving back to the community is huge. And I think that that sometimes can get lost when you're running a business. And so I um, really commend you for giving back to the community around you. That's amazing. What are your uh, overall goals for the business? Um, eventually hoping to have like one or two really successful locations and just still be working in the shop every day. I want to be there. I'm not a, person who wants to like hand it off or sell the business or have someone manage it and go to the beach all day um and then really far down the road 
I would love to have an incubator space um, to work with new small businesses and help coach them in the beginning processes. Um, I think that small business should continue to thrive and grow and get the resources and help that they need. And I think it's good to have um, someone, you know, like I said, again, that support system. So that would be a really far down the road eventual goal, but hopefully one that does happen. I mean, that's really important because hospitality and small businesses are what runs this state. And so that's really amazing, you know, giving back even more to the community. So that's some great news. I love that. So is there anything else that you'd like to add? I know that you have spent a lot of time sharing all of your expertise with us today, um, but if there's anything else you'd like to add, um, we just kind of wanted to open that up to you now. Yeah, I think speaking a little bit about that future goals, like having incubator space, I've just kind of started working with a couple brands um, doing some one-on-one -on -one consulting. Um, it's very tailored, so I spend time with each brand trying to understand them. It's not cookie cutter. It's not like an online program where you buy it and fill out some pages and DIY. It's like sitting down, working together, figuring out how to develop their branding, their marketing, and really give them a strong foundation. Um, and it's also for businesses that are already established, but maybe have not put in the time to spend on this foundation. Like they started as a hobby and they have no business um, plan. So um, started working with a couple local brands on that in the beginning. And I'm actually still looking for more brands to work with um, just to kind of test it out and get my feet wet in this area and get feedback before I really be more vocal about it. Sure. Yeah, that's understandable. But I'm sure that, you know, you'll find um, a lot of other people who would love to take you up on that, like maybe us. I don't know. <laughs> up to you. <laughs> All right. So now that we've, you know, kind of gone through a whole lot of different topics with Camille today, we have some, we call them like rapid fire questions. So it just are kind of like basic questions, you know, as we kind of go through the interview process, Camille, we're so thankful that you're our first one on here. Um, we're, you know, thinking about who else we can include on this whole interview experience. Um, but we thought it might be a good idea to ask a few similar questions to all of our interviewees, um, just so, you know, people out there can get um, different perspectives, but kind of on the same topics. So first question is, what is one piece of advice you would give someone who wants to start a business? Have a really good support system. That's a good one. I think that's a really good one. You've mentioned that a lot, and I've heard that from a lot of other business or owners. So um, I'm guessing it's, it's true. It's a fact, guys. Get a good support system. It's so important. Do you have any creative outlets, or do you feel like that's your business? If you do have a creative outlet, what what is something that you do? Um, photography, and I hate saying the word photography because I'm not a photographer. Uh, taking pictures is my creative outlet. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's a good one. I'm not a photographer either, but I do like to take pictures of stuff. Nature, food, my dog, you know. <laughs> I think those are all fine. We don't have to call it photography. It's casual, you know. Yeah, my informal. dog say that, you know, it's it's one of those things where you joke, like, if your dog sees how many pictures you have on your phone of them, they would think you were extremely creepy. <laughs> but, yep, how many pictures I have of my dog sleeping? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yes. I have a lot of pictures of my dog sleeping. He probably would think I'm creepy. You're right. <laughs> Does that same rule apply for kids? I don't know. I have no comment on that. 
if it maybe okay so in that case if it's your kid maybe not so much if it's someone else's kid especially if you don't know that person then for yes it is creepy for sure <laughs> all right our last question is where is your favorite place to travel or or what does your dream vacation look like uh i like traveling to places that don't have cell service because then you have to really stop working and unplug but um I've been to two places I really, really love, or three-ish. One has cell service, though. Um, so when I went to Peru, I went to Machu Picchu. I loved it. That was beautiful. Um, and then I've been to Cambodia. I really love Cambodia. Those are my top two. And then Singapore, um, which is much more modern than the other two and does have cell service along with a lot of other technological stuff. But uh, it was like one of the best experiences in one of those um, more modern Asian countries. That's super cool. Y'all know something really random? At some point of my childhood, I don't remember when, but I wrote a report on Machu Picchu and I don't even remember what I wrote about, but. <laughs> you should go. That's one of those places where it's, it might not be around forever because it's starting to fall apart with all the tourism. Um, and it's so cool. Like llamas. You know, there's like llamas hanging around Machu Picchu, seriously, like wild llamas. And, and uh, the only thing is if you get a little sick from the car sick, I don't know if you've ever heard, but that road to get up there is super creepy. <laughs> windy. Is it like windy? It's windy and it's really made for one bus, but there's two. It's like two lanes, but it looks like one lane and you might fall off. Yeah, I think I've seen pictures, like there's no guardrail situation and it's like a cliff basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Or so like sit on the side away from the cliff so you're not looking out the window. Um, yeah. Good but travel tip. Yes, and Cusco, which is where you usually fly into and then kind of make your way to Machu Picchu is gorgeous. Like cool. old European town gorgeous. I'll put those on my list. <laughs> I've heard a lot about Machu Picchu for the last like three to five years like it's it seems to be a very popular place to go nowadays yeah I mean it's a good travel spot for families too all right Camille well we want to sincerely thank you for coming on our podcast today especially with everything going on in the world we can't tell you how much we appreciate you coming on to talk about your journey um, did you want to mention where people can find you online and social media uh, yeah, they can find us online at valiahonolulu.com. So it's V-A-L-I-A Honolulu. And same for Instagram, at valiahonolulu. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. We appreciate you coming on. All right, everybody. That's all that we have for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to The Outright Effect. You can find us at theoutrighteffect.com. You can also follow us on our social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, and now YouTube, all at The Outright Effect. You can also reach out to us by emailing us at theoutrighteffect at gmail.com. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.